Welcome to Are You Quizzing Me? I am Vineet Nair with my co-host Aditya Kashyap. This is a quizzing trivia podcast show. Join us as we dive deep into history, science, pop culture, and so much more. Let's get quizzing. And we're back for episode number fifty-eight of Are You Quizzing Me? Aditya and I are back for another round of quizzing. And let's get to the episode as quickly as possible without wasting any undue time. So let's start off with. The audience question for this week: Luke, Leia, Han, C three PO, Obi Wan, Anakin Skywalker, and many other characters across the Star Wars movies, animated series, TV shows have all said variations of this seven-word sentence at least once. Which seven-word sentence are we talking about, or at least which line have all these characters mentioned it in at least once in every series? Movie, animation—it's been said in at least one episode of every show. It's been said in every movie, and it's been said seen in any animated show. So, what line are we talking about? And this particular line, let me just clarify, is not "May the force be with you." This line is one that expresses nervous doubt. So. That's the line I'm looking for. Obviously, everybody's mind would have gone to "May the force be with you," but it's not the one that we're looking for. I will reveal the answer to this question at the end of today's episode. Aditya, what's your question from last week that you now need to answer? Okay, so I asked last week that if you were to enter America, what would be a good welcome message to show at the airport or port of entry? And I realized the best one would be. Welcome, everybody. Unless you are Christopher Columbus, in which case you're looking for New Delhi and not New York. <laughs> <laughs> A little late, I feel. Yeah, but I feel like they could celebrate Columbus, even though he was problematic. But they forget to acknowledge that he was also quite the idiot. <laughs> he thought he ended up in India for some reason. And I get it; it was the 15th century, but still, come on, man. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. So let's move on to today's round of quizzing. I'll start us off with a question that I've crafted quite carefully. First question for today's episode to you, Aditya. X was a British writer, literary scholar, and theologian. He held academic positions in English literature at both Magdalen College, Oxford, and Magdalen College, Cambridge. In a trilogy of books written by X and published between nineteen thirty-eight and forty-five. He mentions some of his characters tracing their descent from the island of Numenor in the True West. The island of Numenor made its first on-screen appearance in a four hundred sixty-five million dollar TV show, which first aired in two thousand and twenty-two. X jumbled all different kinds of mythology into his most famous series of novels, the first of which took ten years to write, including Irish and British fairy tales, Germanic folklore. Roman, Norse, and Greek mythologies, and Arthurian romances. An unfinished and unpublished manuscript found after his death was published along with other short fiction in 1977. Identify the author X. Where is this uh, author from? England. He's a British writer, literary scholar, and theologian. Held academic positions in English literature at both Magdalen College, Oxford. Magdalen College, Cambridge. No, I don't have much of a clue right now. Can you give me something else? 
I can guarantee you that fans of this particular author are screaming at their screens or their audio devices right now. <laughs> so anyway, see the clue that I would have to give is the first clue I would ask you to focus on this particular part of the question that the island of Numenor made its first on-screen appearance in a 465 million dollar TV show which aired in 2022. It was highly controversial for being so expensive. This would have to be then a Tolkien thing, Lord of the Rings. So you're saying J.R.R. Tolkien? I would imagine if it is that, I'm assuming it's the Rings of Power show. It is the Rings of Power show. Okay. Yeah. So is it Tolkien? No. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I crafted this question quite carefully. I had no idea that people were writing fan fiction about Lord of the Rings. I mean, I'm sure there is fan fiction about Lord of the Rings, but nothing that was officially published or officially canonized. This is not fan fiction. Yeah, not fan fiction, but it is part of the LOTR canon, I'm assuming. No. Oh, it's not part of the canon. It may not help, but I will give you the name of the unpublished and unfinished manuscript which was published. It's called The Dark Tower and Other Stories. (laughs) <laughs> I see I've confused. Dark Tower is... Yes. Isn't Dark Tower Stephen King? He does also have a Dark Tower uh, series of novels. Seven or eight, I believe. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this question, I'm very proud of the fact that I came across this piece of trivia and I was able to craft this question. Uh, it's basically crafted to ensure that Tolkien enthusiasts fall into the trap. I'll mention why they would fall into the trap at the end when I read the answer. But the answer is not Tolkien, uh, but it is Tolkien adjacent. Let me put it that way. So when you said that the fans of this author would be screaming, did you mean Tolkien fans would yes. be mistakenly screaming? Exactly, or? yeah. Okay, cool. So then there are no fans coming for my blood. Then <laughs> <laughs> They would probably be in the same boat as you. There are a few subtle clues here. Tolkien fans can be intense, so I'm kind of glad. But uh, yeah, what are the clues that I missed then? Can you maybe emphasize a little bit? (laughs) Yeah. So the things that I would ask you to focus on is, again, this was a British writer who held positions in English literature. His most famous series of novels included Irish and British fairy tales, Germanic folklore, Roman, Norse and Greek mythologies and Arthurian romances. It, like Tolkien's work, has also been seen on screen. You think I would have heard of this author? Famous enough? Yes. And died before 1977? Yes. No, yeah, I have nothing right now. One more clue. As I mentioned, he was uh, Tolkien adjacent. He and Tolkien were very famously good friends. And the movie series, at least the very first one, the most famous of the movies that were made from his writings, included... A very large CGI lion. Very large CGI talking lion. Talking Narnia? Okay, so if it's Narnia, then who's the author? Lewis. C.S. Lewis. Very good. Yes, it is C.S. Lewis. So, here's why this question would be confusing to many people. Yeah. C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien were great friends. They were part of an informal literary club called the Inklings for almost 20 years. 
Okay. Okay. So Tolkien, before he ever released the Lord of the Rings series, was developing the mythology and the history of Middle Earth, and so he had mentioned Numenor in these literary club meetings. Okay. So when C.S. Lewis, so C.S. Lewis wrote wrote a lot of kind of fantasy fiction, and one particular series of novels which he published between nineteen thirty eight and nineteen forty five was the Space Trilogy. And in one of those, he specifically mentions the island of Numenor and the True West. But he also says that to understand or to learn more about the history of the island of Numenor and the True West, wait for my friend J.R.R. Tolkien's book. Ah, okay. So he credits Tolkien in that. When uh, C.S. Lewis wrote this, he had only heard Numenor verbally. He had never read it. He had never read the word. So there was a misspelling that was included in the book. Now, oh, okay. coming back to the question. I mentioned a trilogy of books published by this person who was an English literature professor at Oxford. Obviously, the first thing that people will think of is Tolkien. Mm. But if they listened carefully, 1938 to 1945 is when I mentioned it. The Lord of the Rings was released in the 50s. That was the other clue. Mm. Second thing is Tolkien also jumbled all kinds of mythology into the Lord of the Rings. Right, there were he drew from right. a lot of mythology, yes, and he made his own mythology. And finally. the unfinished unpublished manuscript so a lot of the stories from stolkin's notes were put together by his son and published again in 1977 the same year that the dark tower book came out and that was the silmarillion on which the lord of the rings rings of power is based <laughs> so if you are a tolkin fan you hear british writer author scholar theologian english professor released a trilogy of books mentioned numenor numenor showed up in a tv series the rings of power lot of mythology and from multiple different sources being pushed into the books and an unfinished book which was published in 1977 obviously you'd think the silmarillion and you would say jrr tolkien luckily for you you are not a big jrr fan otherwise you would have been completely <laughs> confused with the question I imagine I would have been very annoyed yeah. and very confused. Yeah. But Zen mode because I guess my <laughs> ignorance helped me today. <laughs> yeah. But that is a fun question. And that gives me a perfect segue into my question. Have you heard of the city of Motihari? Uh, not particularly. Doesn't ring a bell. So the city of Motihari is in Bihar. The reason I said your question is a perfect segue is because it is also the birthplace of a famous author okay let's call him x okay so x was born in motihari a couple of years later another very famous person y visited motihari and one of the things that y is very famously known for first started in motihari okay there is another connection between x and y apart from this city in bihar and that is x wrote an essay critiquing y's autobiography many decades later okay the third connection between x and y is that somebody who worked very closely with y left that position and went and worked in a place where he worked alongside of x okay this person let's call him z was actually a famous actor himself and his son acted in a film which was about y 
wasn't a biographical film, but kind of about the things that Y has done in his lifetime that came out in 2006. So three connections between X and Y. The first one was the place where X was born and Y's life work was kind of born. Another connection, Y's autobiography was critiqued in an essay by X many decades later. And the last one is there was somebody who worked alongside of X and under Y and that person's son acted in a film that came out in 2006, which covered Y's works. Okay. Who are X and Y? I'm going to put out a guess here. If this is right, I'm going to be really, really happy that I worked this out. Ecstatic. But I'm not sure. Okay. So I'm not going to gloat in advance. I'm thinking X is George Orwell. Y is Mahatma Gandhi. And Z would be Sunil Dutt. Oh, that is just absolutely brilliant because you got X and Y completely right. Okay. Z is very, very out of left field and probably not the most famous of these people, obviously. Okay. So I'm not surprised you didn't get that. Okay. But damn, that is... <laughs> I Wow, I really was hoping to throw you off with born bihar no the born in bihar part i i didn't know about moti i don't i didn't remember the name motiari but i know that george orwell and even vivian lee the actress vivian lee she was born in darjeeling so mm-hmm. I, I know there are famous international stars who were born in india i didn't know whether it was mm-hmm. motihari but the moment you kind of went about the question i had an idea this might be george orwell and then who <laughs> would visit bihar during that time period and start something and whose autobiography would be critiqued so then i was like okay that must be Mahatma Gandhi. I was thinking it was Lagero Munna Bhai because you said it's related to his work. So I thought it might be something like that. And that's why I went, you know, Sanjay Dutt and Sunil Dutt. You are right about the film also. So oh. I'll give you half the marks for Sunil Dutt because you were thinking Lagero Munna Bhai and it is Lagero Munna Bhai that I was referring to. The actor is somebody called Parikshit Sahani. Okay. Parikshit Sahani played a minor role in that movie. Oh, and okay. he has been in multiple Hirani films. And his father was Balraj Sani. Balraj Sani has made some very interesting films in his time. Was an actor in a lot of iconic films, including Garam Hawa and uh, Choti Behen, Wakt, Dharti Ke Lal, Do Biga Zameen. So, yeah, quite nice. the famous actor back in the day. And his son acted in this film. Parikshit Sani, perhaps uh, not so very well known amongst the population today. I'm not able to place a face to the name. Parishat Sani, interestingly, I was seeing his filmography. He has done quite a few films. He has done three Hirani films and three of the Hirani films. In PK, he has played Mr. Sani, which is his own name. Okay. <laughs> who is a devout Hindu person who also follows this particular leader. Because PK was about religious dogma yeah. and, and leaders who mislead you. So Mr. Sani is one of those people. He's the father of the main character, of Anushka Sharma's character in that. So he's the one who's stopping Anushka Sharma from living her life. Uh-huh. Then if you go to Lagero Munna Bhai, he played Mr. D'Souza, this Christian guy, whose oh. son wants to start driving taxis to prepay his father. Ah, okay. Yes, I, I, I vaguely remember his face now. Yes, you're right. Nice. Yeah. In Three Idiots, he played Mr. Qureshi. Huh. <laughs> Farhan Qureshi's dad. Okay. So somehow he's just covering multiple religions in... <laughs> Hirani's film. A man for all seasons. So, yeah, a man for all seasons and all religions, apparently. 
So just in case you didn't get the connection between Gandhi and Motihari, Motihari is the city which is the headquarters of the East Champaran district. Okay. And Champaran, as it was then known, was where he started his satyagraha. Oh. When he went and fought for Champaran farmers, if you remember your history textbook. Okay. That was one of the first few places in India where Gandhi tried out this whole satyagraha thing. And nice. found it to be successful and then he adopted it widely. This is the connection between Motihari where Orwell was born. A few years later, Gandhi visited and he did this. Many decades later, when Gandhi wrote My Experiments with Truth, George Orwell wrote an essay critiquing it. It is called Reflections on Gandhi. Okay. The connection between them with the person was Balrat Sani, as I mentioned. Balrat Sani had worked with Gandhi in his ashram. And then with Gandhi's blessing, he quit and moved to London to work with the BBC's Hindi radio service. Oh. And George Orwell used to work at BBC at the time. Yes, so they were I've colleagues heard, yeah. there briefly. So that was the connection between George Orwell and Mahatma Gandhi. Oh, very nice. I really like that question. Let's keep with the same time period. Have you heard of Richard Allen? <laughs> Sounds familiar, but also sounds generic, so not sure. <laughs> Richard Allen was an Indian field hockey player. Okay. <laughs> he competed in the Summer Olympics in 1928, 32 and 36. He was the goalkeeper of the Indian team and conceded a total of only three goals at his three Olympic appearances. Across three Olympics, he conceded only a total of three goals, with the team winning gold all three times. That's a record that remains to this day. His first ever gold concession at the Olympics happened during the Los Angeles Games against the USA in 1932, while doing something quite silly during the match. In the end, it didn't really matter because India eventually won the match 24-1, establishing a world record in the process. Yeah, call it demolishing hmm. the USA. <laughs> what was he doing during the match that allowed the USA team to score against his usually impenetrable goal defense? Was he celebrating a previous save or something? No. It is something quite silly. I don't think it's a forgivable thing. Like if in the time of social media, if he did something like this, he would be trolled horribly, mercilessly. And he would be hounded because it's quite a silly reason for you to concede a goal. <laughs> You're saying since uh, the world of social media, I'm imagining. But again, the time period doesn't work posing for pictures but that doesn't work okay so what would be the 1930s equivalent of posing for pictures posing for a painting <laughs> no i mean like okay see nowadays you meet a fan the fan asks you for a selfie right right what would they have done if it was the 1930s how do you take a picture without taking a what <laughs> so, okay no 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 oh do you mean so, not take a picture see nowadays when you meet a fan Got it. I got it. Okay. I got it. Okay. I got it. Is it asking for an autograph? Was he signing autographs? Yes, he was off the field signing autographs. <laughs> I don't know what's worse. That the only goal that he conceded in that entire Olympics came because he was off the field? Or is it that the US team could only score when he was not there? Mm, that is true. That maybe he was just doing it as a favor to the Americans. Like, uh, come on, guys. Twenty-four-one. <laughs> I don't think anybody's doing any favors over there. <laughs> yeah, saving them some embarrassment. Don't go home without scoring at least one goal. 
But wow, cool. And when you mentioned Richard Allen, Indian field hockey goalkeeper was the last thing I would have thought of. Yeah. So. <laughs> Now, many people forget that the Indian team didn't have just Indian players, you know, which was British India. Mm, true, true, true. The first Indian, Indian in courts, Olympic medal was also uh, by a white guy. Yes, Norman Pritchard, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. back in i believe one of the first few olympic 1900 or 1896 i don't remember which one but yeah one of those was in 1904 but yeah it's one of these one of very those, first yeah. few the very first few seasons yeah in track and field i think track and field yeah it was it was athletics he, i remember he later went on to become an actor if i'm not mistaken norman pritchard so yeah you're right you're right uh, the first uh, indian indian again in courts <laughs> olympic medal was by an, not an indian guy so yeah cool little trivia there By the way I think we have covered this piece of trivia as well as the George Orwell trivia about how George Orwell got his name. I think we've done this in a previous episode. But and I remember you cracked it then and you look confused right now which <laughs> means that you might have forgotten this particular piece of trivia and I could have used it again but it's anyway it's okay I'll give this one as a freebie just as Richard <laughs> Allen gave it. <laughs> in his game and i think it is the river orwell the river okay that went past his house growing up george orwell's house and he adopted the name because that's his pen name and not his actual name a lot of these questions i crack from context like your question na the context and the time period and things like that well you are pretty good at that so okay now that you have brought up the olympics i'm going to talk about the olympics as well so i'm going to regret bringing up the olympics aren't i I don't regret it because you are having great segues in this show so far. So Liechtenstein was competing in the Summer Olympic Games for the first time in the 1936 Summer Olympics. Okay. Now 1936 is one of those Olympics which is very famous amongst trivia hounds for so many reasons. It was the first one to be televised. Obviously Hitler was there promoting the Aryan supremacy and Jesse Owens almost in a scripted little <laughs> moment he proved him absolutely wrong as he was the highest medal winner i believe breaking a few world records or something along the way fun little olympics for trivia hounds and another little piece of trivia associated with liechtenstein a very small european country was participating for the first time in the 1936 olympics okay and they arrived there with six male competitors who took part in five events in three sports and they didn't end up winning anything but it was a first time participation by this very small country what is it that they realized however at these games that led to a change back home the very next year in 1937 lichtenstein realized something during these games that led to a change back home in lichtenstein itself and that change was adopted in 1937 Okay, let me clarify. I don't know about this piece of trivia, but is it something to do with their flag? Like they came to the Olympics and people confused them for some other country, or was it very similar to the Nazi flag or something? And they decided, "Ki okay, let's let's not keep this flag and let's change it." I am officially resigning from this podcast because <laughs> <laughs> it feels like Vineet asks his questions, then basically asks my questions also. Like I don't know why I bother participating. It's okay, Vinay. You just do this on your own, man. I'm done. <laughs> Which part of it? Is it another country or is it the Nazi flag? 
it is another country do you know which country i can't remember lichtenstein's flag so then i i don't know which country it would be i have no clue that okay it is one of the flags which has only two colors on it okay so poland ukraine the other country is central america it's a country in central america central america oh my flag knowledge isn't that strong part of one of the island nations okay you just made it worse <laughs> i have no clue okay i'll tell you a little bit about that country and its flag and maybe that will help you because it has a lovely piece of trivia associated with it as well okay the lore goes that they had a newly appointed revolutionary leader who created the flag by taking a french tricolor ripping out the white center which he discarded and then asking his goddaughter to sew the remaining bands together now if you know the french flag you would know what colors remain blue and red you thought that the blue represented the black african citizens of this country and the red represented the people of color i'm assuming the other people of other various ethnicities and places of origin who also happen to live in this country so lovely piece of trivia and initially these two colors as the french flag is were vertical mm. the two bands were vertical okay. eventually they were made horizontal revolutionary island central america i don't remember either of these flags cuba or haiti because it's a revolution oh lovely you got it right it is haiti okay. uh, it is a haitian flag which is a bicolor so it's a blue and a red blue on top and red below technically they always had a coat of arms mm-hmm. on it but their civil flag was just these two colors oh and lichtenstein's flag before 1937 was also just these two colors so haiti was flying its civil flag during the olympics because they used the official flag only for official purposes so this was a civil flag being used at the olympics and uh, lichtenstein and haiti realized they saw each other they're like oh wait a minute <laughs> this is a bit confusing so haiti adopted their coat of arms version of the flag more commonly after that and lichtenstein went back and they also added a golden crown okay on top left corner of the flag so that is how these two flags are differentiated now nice i'll have to go back and see the flags now to kind of sear it into my head but nice question very nice question i did have a last piece of trivia about this question and that was the fact that haiti did take part in the opening ceremony but its sole athlete did not compete at the olympics oh if haiti's sole athlete had not competed and they had decided not to take part in the opening ceremony <laughs> lichtenstein and haiti would have had the same flag for at least four more years great question so i am now going to ask you a question again going back to movies the f word is said 28 times in this movie 13 of which appear in the first one and a half minutes throughout production the us distributor for the film sent frequent faxes objecting to the explicit language and sexual content fearing that the final product would not be suitable for american distribution or television airings they particularly objected to the opening scene of the movie which i mentioned earlier after an initial screening of the movie in salt lake city led the conservative mormon members of the city council to walk out the movie was written by richard curtis and it was the first british movie to win a caesar which is the french equivalent of the oscar 
It was nominated for eight BAFTAs, winning four. The film was made in six weeks, cost under three million pounds, and became an unexpected success and the highest-grossing British film in history at the time. Also received two Academy Award nominations for Best Picture and Best Original Screenplay. Which film am I talking about? Which year was this? I think it was nineteen ninety-four, if I'm not mistaken. Interesting. Because the moment you said this, my first instinct was to say Reservoir Dogs. No, I said it's a British movie. Yeah, British movie is what threw me off. Then, lot of f-word usage. I mean, like compared to a Tarantino movie, it's nothing. Mm. But the movie, as I mentioned, when it starts, it's kind of a, a shock that you know the first few words are all the f-word. But it's very memorable. It's one of my favorite movies from that era. You said he wrote this film or uh, directed this film. Richard Curtis wrote wrote the movie. Wrote the movie. So, for the sake of our audience who may not be familiar with Richard Curtis, he's famous for writing a lot of great comedies, including Blackadder. Has he written Love Actually? Yes, he's written Love Actually, Mamma Mia Two, The Bridget Jones, both movies, Notting Hill, and he's also written a lot for Mr. Bean. What was he doing writing a movie with? <laughs> A lot of efforts in it, and it was controversial because the American distributor was worried it may not even run in America because of the explicit language and sexual content. Again, I was inclined to say something along the lines of Guy Ritchie, but again, Guy Ritchie's films are later, and also, like he has a lot more than twenty-eight efforts in one movie. His will go in the hundreds, I feel. Probably, probably. Well, remember this piece of trivia? It is right, like at the back of my head. Give me, give me some other hint. Okay, this movie launched the career of two people. One person because he was the lead actor in the movie, and the second was his girlfriend at the time during the premiere of the movie. So it launched two careers. You did say nineteen ninety four. Yeah. Are we talking Hugh Grant by any chance? Okay, so then which movie are we talking about? This would be Four Weddings and a Funeral. Yes. Uh, and his uh, girlfriend at the time who became famous at the premiere oh who was he dating at the time no idea who he was dating at the time no it was elizabeth hurley and her oh. famous versace black dress elizabeth hurley right her being photographed with uh, hugh grant made her an international sensation and her career also took off from there interesting okay well and one of the things i like about the movie the four weddings and a funeral is that they show everything quite different to what you would expect like when you're talking about romantic comedies the hero is not supposed to mumble stutter be afraid to meet people's eyes you know and wear shaggy clothes shaggy hair and have glasses and things like that so hugh grant was playing completely against type for uh, rom-com heroes at the time and it became this huge 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 hit richard curtis went on to work with hugh grant again in notting hill again fantastic movie both the bridget jones diaries and love actually where he played the prime minister of all people great piece of trivia and perfect segue one more time because i have a question <laughs> about another film this time and it is from the 90s so 1999 the thomas crown affair okay have you watched it yes pierce brosnan and rene russo very hot lovely both of them very attractive yes there's a ballroom scene in it and brosnan sports a midnight blue wool dinner suit and wears it with an open shirt collar and an untied white bow tie okay 
can you tell me why again i am going to guess this because he was also playing james bond at the time was he contractually obligated not to appear in a tuxedo outside of the series did you write my questions this time vinit like what, <laughs> what happened what happened this week what have you had for breakfast no no i'm just I, some weeks it's good you know you're on a roll and some weeks uh, as um, our listeners can attest to i just bomb horribly <laughs> but this week i'm 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 on a ball i'm on a ball this has been a very good week for you yes i i have nothing to add he's absolutely right vinit is completely on the mark here because ps brosnan who was playing james bond had a contract with his james bond films it stated that he wasn't allowed to wear a tuxedo in any other film apparently this is a famous clause that is added to every contract for every james bond actor and uh, while they're playing james bond obviously so while he was shooting for thomas crown affair which is going to come out in 1999 he realized that he cannot wear a tuxedo the makers then tried to kind of figure that out because there is a famous ballroom scene and it is supposed to be black tie and he's not wearing a true black tie literally he's wearing a white bow tie <laughs> which is untied improperly wears it with an open shirt collar all of those things would be unacceptable at a formal black tie event he kind of broke the fashion norms <laughs> to fulfill his legal obligations but i can guarantee you it being pierce brosnan that when he appeared like that with a button open and an untied bow tie around his neck ovaries around the world exploded it's pierce brosnan i don't think it was restricted to just women i'm pretty sure it was people <laughs> of all genders <laughs> getting excited at the, that man was very very attractive oh suave quite the opposite of Hugh Grant also attractive but in a very opposite way. He was very foppish. Yeah. Very foppish kind of charming. Pierce Brosnan was like sophisticated, you know. Man's man, he was a man's man and a lady's man, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that's I think all the time that we have for the episode today. Aditya, what is your question for this week? So you asked a question about why Richard Allen missed the one goal that he conceded in the olympics against america in the iconic match and that was because he was off signing autographs what would be an unacceptable thing today for let's say a goalkeeper in any of these sports to be doing that would potentially concede a goal what would a goalkeeper potentially do that would be just absolutely mockworthy and and uh, noteworthy <laughs> okay so for our audience for any new listeners this is the non serious part of the podcast which means that aditya is not going to give us a serious answer for this next week expect uh, silliness and shenanigans galore i take my comedy very seriously vinith that's like an oxymoronic sentence you take your comedy seriously that was a joke vinith come on <laughs> <laughs> okay so Let me go back to the audience question I asked at the beginning of the episode. Hopefully, some of you got it. Some of you may not have. What sentence expressing nervous doubt has been mentioned by Luke, Leia, Han, C three PO, Obi Wan, Anakin, some of the clones, many other characters across the Star Wars universe? And it is said at least once in every Star Wars movie. So, what line are we talking about? And it's not may the force be with you. So, what line are we talking about that expresses nervous doubt? Obviously, when you asked this question, my first instinct was "May the Force be with you," and I realized that's not even seven words. Yeah, red herring right there. Huh? Nervous doubt. 
is it something as generic as i've got a terrible feeling about this or i've got a bad feeling about this something like that yes you've hit the nail on the head i've got a bad feeling about this go to youtube and search for this i've got a bad feeling about this and star wars you will find super cuts made by multiple fans which go for 2 3 minutes showing every time a character is mentioned this i think the only time somebody is mentioned the correct opposite of it was the han solo solo film called solo mm. in which he says i've got a good feeling about this so he went against type and probably why the movie bombed now okay not the reason why the movie bombed it bombed because it's terrible uh but uh, <laughs> but yeah so the answer to the question is i've got a bad feeling about this it's said by every character and it's mentioned at least once in every star wars movie cool by the way before we wrap up what's your pop culture recommendation so i think i mentioned last week i've been on an oscar film spree and i managed to catch a few more of those i'd mentioned uh, monster which i liked and this week i'd mentioned past lives again a great film i also watched anatomy of a fall also a great film the holdovers i believe i mentioned that as well do check that out if you haven't maestro i have not watched it yet but i'm going to watch it today so i'm just going to give it as a <laughs> in advance recommendation and the last one another film that i'm going to mention it's a part of the international film i believe and that is society of the snow that is available on netflix so check it out based off of a true story and a very famous piece of history that again trivia enthusiasts might have heard of before so society of the snow a spanish film and uh, all of these other films that i mentioned definitely worth checking out definitely we'll check out your recommendations for the oscars i haven't actually got around to watching all the oscar nominees because most of the time i end up watching something silly and fun most of the time and there is a very silly and fun movie i want to recommend it's a movie i've seen multiple times and i find i just love it it's a korean movie it's called extreme job oh the movie is called extreme job <laughs> great film so i see that you have watched yeah. it so it's about a group of narcotics very silly group of narcotics detectives who go undercover at a shut down chicken restaurant and to preserve their cover they start a restaurant and it unpredictably becomes successful so it's a food movie a comedy and a crime movie all rolled into one and lot of slapstick comedy as well one of the best filmed scenes of food in cinema i i love that i love watching like supercuts of food in cinema and uh, you know shows like hannibal are there or the movie chef all of these films which yes. have food yeah. primarily you would not expect a comedy film to have a great scene like absolute oh. food porn but there's that scene where he's yeah. showing how the fried chicken is made and i love that scene it is so yes. beautiful i remember ordering fried chicken that day <laughs> and it shot so well yeah. you can actually feel the juiciness yeah. of the chicken yes. when they're biting into it just for that scene it's worth watching what a great film <laughs> yeah and it's comedic gold absolutely so if you're looking for something fun something silly where you just want to have a smile on your face but the entire time you're watching go for extreme job it's a south korean flick absolute recommendation and that's all the time we have for uh, today's episode thank you all for listening in we hope you enjoyed the show know that you learned something new if you liked what you heard please subscribe to our podcast leave us a review at your favorite podcast platform it also helps us reach a wider audience and allows more people to discover and enjoy the show we would love to hear from you 
feedback, suggestions, even trivia, you can send us questions that you want asked on the show. You can send it to our email ID, which is areyouquizzingme at gmail.com. You can find it in the show notes. You can reach us on Instagram at areyouquizzingme. And if you want to reach out to us in other ways, we also have a subreddit. Yes, and that's something new. It's still new, so I'm still excited about it. So we have a subreddit at reddit, r slash areyouquizzingme. Again, it's in the show notes. We appreciate your support and look forward to sharing more episodes with you in the future. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great day. See you guys next week.